0: Good morning. Four years ago, all seven Loudoun state delegates were Republicans. Today, only one Republican remains standing. The blue wave has hit Loudoun. For Wednesday, November 8th, it's your Loudoun Now Morning Minute. Today's Morning Minute is brought to you by M.I. Holmes, Join MI Homes for an evening of elegance at the Grant at Willowsford on Thursday, November 9th from 6 to 9 p.m. Enjoy wine tasting and pairing ideas from the Ashburn Wine Shop. Get ideas for holiday tablescapes from Pottery Barn. And there will be raffles, food, and much more. Please RSVP by November 7th. Visit mihomes.com Willowsford for more details. That's Thursday, November 9th at the Grant at Willowsford and mihomes.com Willowsford. Thanks for being with us. I'm Rince Green. Democrats pulled off a decisive victory in Loudoun and across the Commonwealth yesterday. You've probably already heard the state headlines. Ralph Northam was elected governor, Justin Fairfax was elected lieutenant governor, and Mark Herring was re-elected attorney general. All three of those dominated in Loudoun, pulling in about 60% of the vote in their races. In the House of Delegates, Dave LaRocque ended the night as the last Republican standing in Loudoun. Veteran Republican delegates Tag Grayson, Randy Minshew, and Jim Lemunion lost by significant margins to first-time challengers David Reed, Wendy Goditas, and Carrie Delaney. The results here in Loudoun helped erode Republican control of the state House. Yesterday, Republicans held 66 of the 100 seats in the House of Delegates. Democrats have flipped 16 seats, bringing control of the House within striking distance for the first time in 18 years. As of early this morning, the House is split 50-50. Now, some races are only a few votes apart, so we could see some recounts. It's a night that 87th District Delegate and Democrat John Bell called magical. There are seven House districts that cover parts of Loudoun, and four years ago, as I said, all seven were held by Republicans. Tag Greason, one of the Republicans unseated last night, said he saw this coming a long time ago. During last year's elections, he predicted to his family that if Hillary Clinton won the presidency, he'd hold on to his seat easily. If Trump won, he predicted, he'd have a dogfight on his hands, and that's exactly what happened this year. He had won by a comfortable margin since 2009, but saw Clinton win his district by 19%. Yesterday, his challenger, David Reed, won 53% of the vote. Greeson said that's a referendum on Washington. Randy Menchu said he's proud of his time in office, and there was probably no way his record could have overcome a wave year for Democrats. He also said the Democratic surge is probably, at least in part, a response to President Donald Trump. But even in defeat, he resisted the urge some Republicans have felt to run even farther to the right. I do not believe that the solution is rebranding the Republican Party to be more like to Stewart. and That's mm-hmm. not the solution. The woman who unseated him, Wendy Goditis, said the world changed this year. In her words, the country and the Commonwealth are ready for a change to a kinder, more caring culture. We're doing it. We've done this. And we've put the energy and the miles and the dollars into this because we know it matters. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Delegate Laroque said he was surprised to be the last Republican delegate standing. Quote, some of the most productive and hardworking members of the House will be back to their day jobs full time. I can't imagine that the people of Virginia appreciate the quality of the men who are not going to be going to work for them down in Richmond. These are men whose contributions are enormous. It's a sad day for the people they serve. End quote. All the Democrats already in office easily defended their seats. One of those, Delegate John Bell, who I mentioned earlier, said he's hopeful that now he can see some progress on the issues he campaigned on, like access to health care, preventing gun violence, and equal pay for equal work. Go to loudennowcom slash morning minute to check out the whole story, including some of our photos from election night. It's at loudennowcom morningminute morning minute. In other news, the Envision Loudoun Stakeholders Steering Committee has held off on making any decisions about the transition policy area, but has asked its members to trust the process and the Board of Supervisors to stay out of it. Let me translate. The Envisioned Loudoun Stakeholders Steering Committee is the 26-member group overseeing the first phase of rewriting the county comprehensive plan, which is the master plan for how the county will develop into the future. It sets all the policies for that kind of stuff. The transition area is the part of Loudoun that divides the rural west from the suburban east. In other words, a transition. The Stakeholders Committee got some pretty pointed criticism from the Board of Supervisors last month for considering changes to the transition policy area that could allow as many as 18,000 more homes in the area. But both county planning staff and committee members have hastened to point out that that's still a work in progress and the committee hasn't actually made any recommendations yet. Vice Chair Kathy Blackburn also said it only makes things that much more difficult when the Board of Supervisors gets involved at this point. Thank you very much. For the public record, I'd say, please, Board of Supervisors, stay in your own lane. The committee is also facing internal divisions, especially over conservation and affordable housing. And Loudon Preservation and Conservation Coalition Representative Al Van Huyk, who's a former Planning Commission chairman and who worked on the current comprehensive plan, said the plan they're working on now is too vague. He said it doesn't recognize the distinction between suburban East, rural West, the incorporated towns, and so on and so forth. I don't believe that will make a useful plan that can be read and can be measured. I think we have to recognize these spatial decisions are very unique to Loudon and are all very different places. One of the other committee members pushed Van Hike on how the old plan, which is pretty complicated and duplicative, is any more useful than the one they're coming up with now. Van Huyck gave the example of AT&T's unsuccessful application to build an industrial facility apparently, probably a data center, on top of Short Hill Mountain near Lovettsville. Gary Higgins and other supervisors and ourselves went back and found eight specific things in the comprehensive plan, policy, that said we should not approve that. And, and the public mobilized behind that. Well, if the plan only said something vague about mountains, we wouldn't have had the, the policies to measure. In fairness, the Planning Commission actually approved that proposal. The Board of Supervisors never actually denied it. AT&T withdrew the application under public pressure. But other members said they are not interested in redoing the last year and a half of work on that committee, and they're happy with where it's going. Planning and Zoning Director Ricky Barker said the new one will be much more user-friendly. The Loudoun County School Board is weighing its priorities for the state legislature next year. As usual, at the top of the list is a request that state lawmakers actually provide funding to cover the cost of all those state mandates. The legislative program says when the Commonwealth considers a program important enough to mandate, it should consider the mandate important enough to fund. The school board's Legislative and Policy Committee would also like to see a state law that allows relatives of school board members to be hired by the school system, which they say should help with the shortage of teachers and other staff in the school systems. The committee suggests that come with a requirement that board members certify that they had no involvement in the hiring decision and that the superintendent, who I note answers to the school board, certify that the hiring decision was based on merit. School board members will present their legislative program to lawmakers at the annual legislative breakfast on December 1st and follow up with a dinner January 22nd. And South Loudoun residents got a no-doubt welcome relief yesterday with the opening of Tall Cedars Parkway. This new segment of Route 50's Southern Collector Road connects Pinebrook Road and Gum Spring Road. It should take some traffic off Route 50 and give residents of South Riding, Avonlea, and Stone Ridge more direct access to schools, shopping, and medical centers. The project cost about $13 million, all funded by cash proffers from several developers in the area. Get the full story on this and all these stories over at loudonnow.com. On today's calendar, today is one million cups at the Mason Enterprise Center in Leesburg at 9 a.m., One or two entrepreneurs will give six-minute pitches for their business idea and get 20 minutes of questions and feedback from mentors and other entrepreneurs. Get the details on this event and check out the rest of the event's calendar at getoutloudon.com. And if you like the Morning Minute, tell all your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be waiting for you there every morning. Okay, have a great day. The guy who does our layout pointed out to me that next week, next print edition of Loudoun Now will begin Volume 3, which means the third year of Loudoun Now. A couple of years ago, some people invited me to come up and help them out because they had started a new newspaper, which is an absolutely insane thing to do uh, in these in this day and age. I'm sure you've heard about the financial problems that most newspapers have. And Loudoun Now just keeps growing. It's really taking off. And that comes in large part because of all the the trust and support that we get from the community. So I didn't really have a script for this. I just wanted to say thank you for that.